0: Hi, and welcome to BroPod, where we talk to those that apply convention from the world of sports, media, finance, and politics. Before our third and final installment on our mini-series of foreign coaches in Norwegian football, I have finally granted Kieran the permission to join the intro, (laughs) in case you thought he was gone. Kieran, it's a pleasure to have you with me again. Uh, You were on the last episode, obviously. Uh, but then I just honestly, I just, yeah, I you fucked just you up. out. Yeah, I just battered out. And the, I don't
1: mind that because you do a great job <laughs> uh, of the intros.
0: Appreciate that. Appreciate that, Kieran. You know, someone's yeah. gonna do it. Yeah. Um, but listen, I haven't really discussed with you the the topic. So before uh, we go into the final episode, um, you know, people might think, okay, foreign coach in Norwegian football. How does yeah. that work with with yourself? But what is interesting is we're both footballers Uh, we don't both have had very different experiences towards talent development you've obviously learned a bit about norwegian talent development in this case and maybe got some some question answers in terms of why there are some exciting norwegian players coming up but talk to me a bit about your experiences coming up at the south academy and where there are the similarities but also the differences are um, in, in terms of the Norwegian versus the uh, the Scottish approach. Yeah.
1: I think I'd be wary to generalise my experience with that of all Scotland because I think I was very privileged that I came up through Celtics Academy, which is arguably the best academy in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as countries, Scotland and Norway are very similar in the, the demographics, you know, small population, five, six million people. Um, so I think they've got similar, you know, levels of attainment and capabilities as, to, as, as footballing nations. Um, and I just, th- I, it's interesting because it seems as if there's more, Scotland is so dominated by the two top clubs. Celtic and Rangers, but it seems as if in Norway, if if clubs find a kind of niche and and I and, and, and identity, they can chat. They can make a way and challenge at the top. And the perfect example is Godo Gleam mm-hmm. who we spoke to one of their coaches, and they were, you know, a handful of years ago in the second division, and then was it two years ago they won the league, mm-hmm. the, 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 nice season, the yeah. top league and uh, for the first time in their history, because they had an identity which was centred around youth development, they're, they're going to trust the players, they're going to invest in their academy, and they're going to have a coherent identity throughout the whole club, mm-hmm. whereas I don't see that as possible in Scotland outside Celtic and Rangers, mm-hmm. and so it's just, I, th- like, I find Norway like, fascinating in that sense, um, that you can see the results of you know, investing in, in, in youth development mm-hmm. and um, I think they're sim. the two countries are similar in that you know I think our third guest uh, Tony made a good point that the populations are so small that you don't you can't take players for granted mm-hmm. and so the, the good players that you do have you really need to, you know try and make the best of it and it, it's not like other football nations it may be Spain or Italy where you know every year you just have a crop of you know incredible talent.
0: Um, We have mentioned his name, uh, so we'll formalize it now. Our third guest is uh, Tony Ordinas, who is Academy Director at Lillestrom, my favorite club. um, A club where my dad used to play, and he also used to work at Stabbeck we also coincidentally, my dad used to play. He's played for a fair amount of clubs. Um, but uh, Tony is very well respected. And uh, in, in the coaching environment, um, Stabic is known for their, their, their youth development and have fostered a great array of talents, which they have sold on uh, to other cl- big clubs in Europe. And we are starting to see the results of the um, talent development yeah. uh, work in Lillestrom as well. Obviously, there are a lot of people involved in such a process, but Tony has definitely been a very influential one uh, in both those clubs. Um, delighted to have him on. Uh, Tony's Spanish, so he comes in with his uh, Spanish uh, accent. accent as well, of great accent, but also his uh, Spanish influences, so to speak, which differs a bit, um, or is a difference from from the UK, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, a lot of the same, same uh, ideas and approaches, and we were very happy to have him on. It's a great inspiration um, to really tap into someone's knowledge, but also passion mm-hmm. for, for the subject. So, uh, yeah, it was a real delight having him on. Uh, so, without further ado, um, we'll have our chat with uh, Tony after the break. This podcast is sponsored by Pimp Society. Now pimp society is a sustainable clothing brand they create one-of-a-kind designs through hand painting and customization um all the products they sell are vintage or made of upcycled material who doesn't want to stand out um and pimp society offers just that unique and individualized clothing designs on whatever items you wish whether it be shoes handbags jeans, whatnot, Pimp Society can do it all. So check them out on Instagram at Pimp Society, Facebook under Pimp Society, or on their website, pimpsociety.no. Now to our chat with Tony Ordinas. We are delighted to welcome uh, Tony to our uh, third installment of our podcast series on foreign coaches in Norwegian football. Tony, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us today. But right before we went on, we were discussing how nice it is to see my favorite club, Lillestrøm, back where they belong, having been in the the league below last season and coming now up and being in real form and shape. And as an academy director, seeing the team that Lillestrøm put out in their 3-2 victory against your former employee, Stabic, um, must must have meant a lot to you.
2: Yeah, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure to be with, with all of you. Uh, yeah, I think you, you touched it, uh, a nice point. No? Uh, I think in our industry, uh, football is, is an industry of emotions. And uh, right now it's true that I think for all the supporters, for all the fans, but also for, the, for all the club, uh, it's a beautiful moment because uh, our first team that always the uh, first team is the mirror of the clubs, uh, right? Uh, looks quite exciting, uh, very solid in the, in the performance. But uh, more than the performance, I, as, as we were talking before, uh, it's the process, how we arrive to the know, with a, a very solid football idea. The players look quite comfortable with the idea. The players looks enjoy enjoying the the competition, and in this process, we managed something I think extraordinary. That we we compete the last Alita Serie match with five players in the, of former players in the, uh, the academy in the first eleven. Well, that's uh, that's the highest numbers this season in Alita Serie. So I think this is a beautiful moment for for all of us. And let's not
0: disregard the fact that Lillestrøm is not known for this, uh, you know, having a lot of younger players coming up. And to what degree do you credit the work with the whole uh, academy qual- classification in, in Norway to the work that you and Lillestrom are doing and the ideas you are trying to implement?
2: I think in general, for Norwegian football, the the classic, uh, the classic model uh, has a, a clear impact. Uh, I remember pretty well when I came to Norway in 2013, if you go, I will say, in an average club in a little serie or Tippa Liga league at that moment and ask about game model, club philosophy, uh, long-term plan for players, I don't think too many people can talk properly about plans no today i think every single club every single club has a strong strong uh, plannings of play the london no uh, in our case in Lillestrom, uh, i think there is two big forces here the the, the academy people we have coaches who has been uh, here for for uh, all this time and uh, what we have today is consequence The training process, the training methodology approach, the player approach is consequences of this this decision to to prioritize the player as the most important thing in the academy. And there is the second part of this story is that no matter how you work in the academy, you need coaches in the uh, first team who are brave to do it. And I think uh, right now it's for me a lot of credit on the first team coaches because they they can use other players they can they can push the club to buy players but they trust the academy players they trust these young players that they can make what we want to shift and uh, of course when they they took the decision to say you play this match uh, that is the most important
1: mm-hmm. right with you're the third coach that uh, we're speaking to in our Norwegian football series. And similar to the other two coaches, you, you're not from Norway, but you moved to Norway fairly young as a coach. And I guess the question is, why Norway? Well,
2: uh, I had the opportunity before to go to other projects, but uh, Norway offers uh, something that uh, in a personal perspective, of course, uh, uh, it's uh, it's a country where, because I moved it with, with my children, with my family, so... So this offer uh, a country where also my children can grow up uh, and, and uh, of course, has their own uh, pathway no? as a person. Footballistically, for me, was interesting this moment for one reason. I come from a country, Spain, where it's a strong football culture in collective ideas. Uh, I think we are one of the best in understanding the game about collective use of spaces and relations. Uh, In Spain, the amount of talent is not a problem. Uh, You can go to every club and you say, okay, after the season in in Juni, uh, they say to 10, 20 players, sorry, you are not good enough, you go, and 20 are coming. And no one is, is saying, oh, what happened here? It's it's something natural and is accepted by the society. In Norway, we are six million, or almost six million population. So everyone matters. You, you, the, the The population of Norway is the total population of one community in Spain, like Valencia or like Catalonia. So we cannot fo- we cannot lose ten talents in Villarston because we don't have ten talents to pick. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it was very interesting to go from a perspective where every single individual matters. So, I need to be much better in individual, not just in a collective tactical level. Mm-hmm. Because in Spain, it's a lot of focus on the collective tactical level. The players learn to play football because they have the pressure that if they are not doing good, there is another one who will take the spot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Every academy. In Norway is a different social environment. Is a different politic uh, approach of youth sport. Uh, I picket a lot of good things on that, but uh, especially for me, the movement uh, to Norway was also interesting in terms of how much I can learn from this model where the individual matters a lot, not just the politics. And what were, what have been
0: some of your, your key insights? Because we have touched upon this with two other guests. And like you say, uh, a more of a social democratic structure perhaps plays in. There are not elite teams until maybe 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, there's more emphasis on playfulness and fun. And with that, there is less pressure and less prof- professionalization uh, at a later age comparative to Spain. How do you see it? And what what is the maybe... And lack of a better word, ideal uh, approach?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> sometimes it's, it's a big difficult. Question. No? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, we go, now we go to the big questions of life. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we warmed you up a bit and now we're <laughs> right on. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a difficult question, but I can try to put at the same uh, scenario the Spanish model, and the Norwegian model. Uh, There is one thing that in Spain we see in a positive way, and that's a little bit different view from Norway. We use the competition. We understand that the competition is a tool that helps to develop. And from a very early age, there is a, a hard competition. There is Competition to be selected. That is probably much more expensive than in in Norway, that we are more in this, as you say, democratic way that should be for everyone and everyone has to have their own room. In Spain, that's not this culture. In Spain, you must win the right to be there in that academy. Uh, you are used to be evaluated from a very young age. But not just in football, also in the school side, from six years, every kid in Spain, three or four times in the year, they got a grade in the school. Mm-hmm. So they are used to be exposed, to be you are very good in mathematics, you are not so good. You are very good in language, you are not so good. And that's something that social is accepted. And the same happens in sport. Uh, I remember my son, with eight years, he played in a team where they were qualified to play the final championship. With eight years. With almost 500 people in the stands and the pressure to win. And was boys selected for the squad and boys out of the squad. That pressure, uh, we think, is useful. Of course, can be different opinions there. Uh, what is the darkness part of this? In Spain, you can see many, many times where it's more important the egg of the coach to win and show that I, I am a very good coach because I win the championship instead to think about the player experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the benefit of this, you have, I think, in Spain, like in Portugal, that I know, I think, quite well also, the system there, and I think more and more, you have a so disciplined curriculum program. The sessions from eight years, nine years, ten years, there is a lot of quality in every minute because the sessions are so well-planned with a lot of competence coaches. The parents' coaches are not anymore used. Uh, I, it's not that I am against that, but well if if my son is sick I go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. I not go to a friend who give me an advice how handle the sickness of my son. Yeah, so, yeah. so the competence of the coaching, licensed coaches working with quality from the very early age that is something really strong that I really miss in Norway. Mm-hmm. I think Norway the big I I say this uh, quote, this uh, thought in a different postcards and in different forums, the big next improvement in Norway will be the football from 6 to 12 years. That is the gap where we can improve a lot because there is the coordinative learning part that we are not good enough in Norway. So if you go to see a competition under 12 or under 13 in one of these countries, Spain, Italy, Portugal, France, you see boys and girls much better in a coordinative way. And the consequence is much better in a technical way than what we have in Norway. So that's for me the big difference between Norway and Spain in terms of how to use the competition in early ages and the quality of the sessions from 6 to 12.
0: And I remember last time we spoke, Tony, you took me through the different developmental phases of a player. So 0 to 6, 6 to 12, 12 to 14, and how that uh, decided how you were to train them. And I found that very interesting because that set the agenda for how you were to approach, uh, whether it be development goals, uh, whether it was to how much you would push them, the competition, could you give a little insight into into that whole as best as you can summarize it yeah. and how that plays into how you um, approach talent development?
2: Yeah, that's uh, that was the model that uh, that I sh- I showed to you is a little bit based on, on the experience of these uh, yeah twenty five years between Spain and and Norway. Uh, as you say, uh, we cannot train the players at the same way uh, from six years to 90 years. There is different maturity moments from a human perspective, from a a development perspective, uh, from a cognitive perspective, emotional, but also physical uh, different capacities and possibilities. Uh, I read uh, a couple of years ago, that was an interview uh, with pep Guardiola no? and then he says something he asked to the audience what was the reason why we were meeting here what was the the, the, the initial point that make you love football and the people were giving some answers no? and but after a while pep point one thing that then everyone was agree on that the love for the ball. You cannot do anything with a boy or a girl if there is not an initial stage where he or she loves to play with the ball. It's impossible. That's, uh, and, and you have boys and girls who have this instinct to love the ball and you have boys and girls who are fantastic but they don't have that. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's the parents who is in love with the ball. No? So the love for the ball is the step number one. And then I think there are like a three big moments. The basic one, the platform, where well, football, that was my point when I explained to you when we meet. Uh, many people talk football is a collective sport. And of course, I, I will not tell to you now that's wrong. It can be a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, football is a collective sport, but youth football is not a collective sport. And I will argue this in front of anyone. Youth football is an individual sport in a collective dimension. Mm-hmm. But youth football should be planned as an individual
0: sport. To what age is this, So youth football, to what age is that then?
2: From 6 to 12. Okay. There is no other dimension than the individual. And then... Henrik or Marcus or Matthias or Elena, or that is the core of the project. Mm-hmm. Not the fall back, not the pressing of the team, uh, not, no, no, the individual. And then there is one step is like the body is developing. There is still no musculature there, but there is brain. So the science is telling with no discussion that in the age of five years, the cognitive capacity of the human is full. Not the experience, but the possibilities. Mm-hmm. So when people is questioning that that boy or that girl is not capable to understand the game, sorry, there is possibilities of understanding the game. It's probably not possible to express the physicality, because the musculature and the body are not prepared for it. So there is a first step that from 6 to 12, where I strongly approach when I work in a club, that this is a, a basic uh, a step where the love for the ball and the love for the play should be the core of the work. Mm-hmm. Only from individual stage. Then there is a second moment That I picture from 13 to 16. Then there is there is a lot of changes there. There is the puberty there, and there is a lot of consequence from emotional point of view, from a from a from a physical point of view, and then I think one of the big mistakes that people do in youth football is that they start to emphasize the big picture of the match. For example, you have on the 13 coaches who are worried about the set-pieces momentum or they are worried about the, the pressing momentum. And I always ask the same. How much matters if you press higher on the pitch or lower on the pitch if your striker or your winger or your offensive midfielder don't understand the principle of the 1v1 defensively or don't understand the role as a second defender. Mm -hmm. So the big core for me in 13 to 16 is still individual principles. And then you will probably ask me, Tony, but what means team for you in this moment? For me, teams is the support to can apply the individual principles. For example, as a striker, how I can learn to run behind the defenders, recognizing the moment of it. Of course, if I don't learn to play in relation with the winger, if I am not learning to do the, the relation with the in the in the space between the lines with the midfielders, it will be difficult that I am effective on that. So this is where I need the collective. But from 13 to 16, the best coaches, developing players, focus on the individual principles of the game. Mm-hmm. For example, as a central back, when you are offensive situations when to take the ball and push with the ball when to open a space and make relation with the fullback for example in the in a defensive point of view central back how you are positioned inside the box to have a touch to control the runs of the opponent the strikers how to position inside the box to technically make a good clearance mm-hmm. this type of work with all my respect, there are many, many clubs and academies in this case that they don't take care of them. But when we are saying that the player, youth player, is not good enough, it's not because of the big pitch; it's because of this detail.
0: Mm-hmm. The fundament, the fundamentals. I remember exactly, I
2: remember exactly
0: showing me one of the first clips, and it was a, uh, uh, it was a clip from under twelves, I think, between uh, Bilbao and Sociedad. Real yeah. Sociedad. Yeah. And you show me the defensive positioning of oh, the real uh, Super, defender. Yes, yeah. of the first and the second defender, I think. And yeah. then you, try, yeah. Yeah. you try to explain how he opened up his body and he led him to a place. And then, when the moment of attack, when the touch was a bit longer, then he went for it. Yeah. And yeah. that seems to be maybe yeah. we tend to forget that when we talk about Spanish football and tiki taka yeah. and all that. Yeah. But in yeah. terms of the the the, uh, the positional knowledge yeah. uh, that you showed me there. Which yeah. tends to maybe you know you forget the maybe the the fine the finer details in it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think you you say you mentioned the 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 keyword fundamentals mm-hmm. because these fundamentals. So, why a team is playing good football? Because the sum of the individualities is based on quality. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if you don't have individual quality, then it's difficult to play effective football collectively. So that, I think, is a key momentum that uh, I think, to be fair, that in Norway, we are improving this. I think, and the, probably the, the academic classification model, uh, because there are a lot of demands of school plans, curriculums, all these things. So, of course, this forces all the clubs to be much better on that. I think Norway is doing a good step. Uh, that is my impression right now. Uh, and then there is still, so, okay, we progress with a boy or a girl from 6 to 12, 13 to 16. Let's go to say that we are lucky and we are in a club where the the the, 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 the approach and the coaches uh, work on these details. Yeah, okay, then we have a good on the 16 player, right? But we still miss a bridge there now to go to the first team. And that is where, for me, youth football has this tricky moment. Because as I said to you a couple of minutes ago, everything starts with the love for the ball. That is the fundamental. But when we arrive to year 16, when we arrive to under 16, I need a boy or a girl who loves the competition. And that is a really hard piece here. Because love the competition, Number one, what means competition? First, means that I compete against myself. So, the version of Tony Ordinas today is better than the version of Tony Ordinas three months ago. Because if I'm not better, then no room for me. Mm-hmm. Second, I work hard and I work smart, accepting that you are my competitor. Because there is only room for 11. Mm-hmm. So I need to accept the internal competition. And what happened is that you have players who love these situations and keep pushing and enjoy. You have players who doesn't handle, don't, don't handle the situation. And then they go for excuses. The coach, uh, the club, and then you have parents who overprotecting instead to say okay let's go to accept the difficulties let's go to tell them maybe now you are in a moment where things doesn't look so good but what we can do and from the difficulties they just what is the what is the easy solution in, we change club mm-hmm. because this club is not good enough the coach is not good enough okay we go to another club and then we go to another club mm-hmm. and this competition love is key because this is the mental part. Because we have to understand one thing. I have been in both ways. I have been in a, as a first team manager, and I, mostly my experience is, is academy. Uh, in the first team dressing room, a youth player will only be accepted by the players, by the coaches, if they, is, they have the feeling that this boy or this girl will help to win. Because in the first team, the unique thing that matters is win. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now there is a cup game this weekend. Listen, the unique thing that matters is win. Don't tell me how, but we have to win. So if the players in the first team, in if the coaching staff in the first team don't have the strong feeling that because of your fundamentals, because of your mentality, you are ready to help us to win, they do they will not open the door. Sorry, you are you are not prepared for us. No matter how good you are, no matter how many national team matches you play, you are not ready for us. Mm -hmm. So that is, I think, the most difficult piece in youth football, that we have to teach the love for the game. We have to teach the love for the play. We have to teach a lot of fundamentals because if it's not, you will not arrive. But still, when you are in a position to arrive, the piece of love, the competition, the love, the pressure, Love to be uncomfortable because when you arrive to that moment, you are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Maybe you are not selected in the national team. Okay, what do you will do? You will start to cry or you will come to train even harder. Mm-hmm. Maybe you are not in the squad in the NM. What you will do? You will cry or so. This mental strength, handle the pressure, enjoy the pressure, enjoy the difficulties, don't give up. Ah, but what happened because the typical question, no, ah, I think I'm better than this one, but this one goes to doing with the first team. Okay, what you will do now? You will cry or you will try to push this situation. Yeah. I think this piece is what makes a lot of difference who is going finally to them. That's, that's a, a key, key moment. So I will say coordinative first, individual, tactical second, mental strength. As the third big moment of this long-term plan.
0: This podcast is sponsored also by the Creamy Boys. Now, Creamy Boys is an ice cream truck running out of Santa Monica, California. And Kieran gives a little insight on the best ice cream in America. I'd say.
1: Unfortunately, we've not been able to taste it as of yet. But You're we can. not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say sure, the best. I can sure tell that it looks incredible, <laughs> and the reviews are incredible, and. More so behind the product, it's the people that are the most important, and the people behind the Creamy Boys are the best you will find. So get yourself down there, enjoy great ice cream, and even better, chat and personality.
0: Yeah, looks We're targeting an extreme niche yep, market. category.
1: For all, our, for all of our listeners in Santa Monica yeah. and California.
0: But but do find them on Instagram under the Creamy Boys. And, uh, and
1: order their merchandise. Exactly.
0: Look at us just adding offers. Shout out.
1: Tony. I want to get back to uh, focusing on you as a coach. And you received your football education in Spain. And then it seems as if you've matured and established as a coach in Norway. Can you just tell us about about the process of what it's been like developing into the coach you are today? And if there are any principles that make the way you manage and coach?
2: when I got the call in in Stavek to become a manager in the first team, uh, uh, the, the question there that I experienced during these two and a half years is that in my way to train football, I don't think I changed anything compared with youth players. So the way how I coached junior teams or junior players compared with elite serie players was not for me it's difficult to tell to you that I changed it. Mm-hmm. The most learning part for me, the, the the for me the authentically master of learning for myself was that because of my previous experience I was used to thinking long-term processes. We are working today not because i expecting results today. I expect results maybe in six months, in one year, in one and a half year. And from one day to another day, <laughs> I become in a position where my time of thinking was hours, mm. days, maximum days. So that was a brutal, brutal change in my way to work. Uh, and that will of course condition it for example uh, you play a match you travel normally you sleep not so good no matter the result but you normally don't sleep properly after match because there is a lot of emotions and adrenaline but you need to be fresh mentally first of all as a coach to keep the process going on because maybe in 48 hours or in (laughs) In four or five days, you have a new competition and a new match and a new work scenario. And you need to make a good evaluation analysis what happened previously in this last match. But at the same time, you need to clean your mind because there is a new, completely different scenario. Mm-hmm. So that has been, a, a, for me, for myself, a really, a really tough learning, but very grateful learning. Uh, at the same time, I think something that didn't change between academic experience and first-team manager is that, and that is one of my biggest tips to any coach who is listening to us uh, at this moment, is it's so important to have the ability to listen the players. So, so important. Of course, as a coach, you have your own thoughts. You have your beliefs, you have your experience, and you have your own way to do things. But the one of the researches from where I learned the most is the players. Because the players have their own experience as a player. And they have been exposed to different scenarios and problems. And they know the way from other coaches to resolve the problem. So if you are an open-mind coach and you are a coach that you know how to listen the player, I think you take a big, big advantage. Is it too? I think too... today, uh, and also I think this is connected with the society. Yeah. Okay. The society is a much more open society.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If you today, as a teacher, you don't go to a classroom thinking, I know the truth, you don't know nothing. No. Today, the information is in your pocket, in your phone. Everyone access to information. Uh, so I think the players today are much more aware of many things than 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Almost every player has their own platform to can access to his videos or her videos. They watch matches, they compare. So I think the players are much more ready to discuss football than before. Uh, and I think in a... In the way how society is today, and in the way how the players are prepared today, as a coaches, and this is something that I discuss with some colleagues who train in La Liga, and all. For example, I have a very good relations with uh, all these Spanish uh, group of coaches in Premier League, uh, and uh, I think everyone is agree. You cannot your authority as a coach is not based on my my thoughts. It's in this relation, open dialogue with the player, and I think this is one of the things that I experienced the most, also as a manager in the first team. What do you
0: say? You you say that you uh, you talk to them. What is it that you discuss then? Like, is it upon the 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 new wave of coaching, how to do that? Like you say, inclusivity, hearing the players. What other things are? What ideas are being? Discuss if you if you dare me ask. Uh,
2: of course, for example, when you when uh, when you are in that level, I, I think to be honest, there is not big difference between academy and, and first team environments. Uh, one of the things that is impacting the most is the use of the technology. I think the technology is 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 now uh, making impact on the player analysis because from no filming or very few filming, we can film everything. Uh, and uh, of course, from a physical point of view, the GPS revolution is also there, but if we don't want to just focus on the physical part, if we just want to talk a little bit more open about the footballistically analysis of the player, how the player is involved with the ball, how the player is involved with all the ball, how the player is involved in transition moments, how the player is involved in positioning. Uh, that part today, because thanks of the technology, you can work. For example, uh, just uh, one hour before uh, we are doing uh, this podcast, I, I was discussing individual clips with players, with uh, junior players. no. And today you have the chance to do it. Okay? We see the situation. We see this this action. Tell me what was your brain thinking there, and let's go to discuss alternative to this decision. Mm-hmm. So today, this discussion based on opinion is not there. Is more about technology. That's something that, of course, uh, is impacting the the, the 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 team, the the the, the, the football, uh, the data, the big data. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that. Uh, uh, all the all the, the clubs who can access to big data is taking advantage. But then, to be a little bit also concrete in your question, when you talk with people who are in that level, no, in that Premier League level and things, in the end, there are many, many moments where we are discussing fundamentals of football. Fundamentals of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's curious no because uh, things that maybe we are discussing about uh, on the 13 or 14 kit is what they think ah that player for example i remember a conversation with uh, with with uh, with uh, uh, a member of uh, of, of uh, and we were discussing a europe league match and we were discussing the use of touches after winning the ball mm-hmm. how much this is impacting the activity when you regain the ball How effective is the first action after? And that's a fundamental. That is one of these elements that should be in the curriculum from 13 to 16. When you win the ball, how quick is your decision and how effective is your decision and how many touches you use to make effective this transition to win the ball to start the action offensive. So I think uh, in the end, sometimes we see that People talk like a lot of complexity, but when you have to correct the player, even in, in a Premier League niveau, then you go for the fundamentals. No? That's something interesting. Tony, when when you're coaching kids, how important
1: of a role do the parents play? And is, is there a way to get them involved in the process? And do you do any work with the parents?
2: I will tell my approach. I don't know if it is the right approach. Uh, uh I like that the parents understand that they are key. That's number one. First because let's go to be honest, probably there is not one single one in the world who loves more the son or the daughter than them. So we are not discussing a table or a shoes that if we don't like it we forget and we buy another one. You cannot buy it. well yeah, you can, you can have new, new kids at home but but that's a long process. Uh, so in the end is the most valuable I guess for a a parent so second because we have to I think admit as a football academies that we see this kid, this boy or this girl for two hours per day maybe if we are lucky but the rest of the day, part of the day because they go to school and they have but part of the day the person who can help us the most are the parents. And the parents has some responsibilities that they are the most important partners for us. So what we do, I will tell to you our experience that I'm quite satisfied, satisfied in how things go at telescope in Lillestrom, is that we invite the parents to is, is optional, they they is voluntary from them but we are more really satisfied we have four meetings during the year with the player formal meetings of course informally we have a lot but formal meetings where we just discuss during that time the individual plan development and the parents are invited to be part of this meeting the parents are invited to take some responsibility for example with individual trainings and especially with individual video at home, because we understand that if that parents help us, probably we will get more that if the parents are disconnected with the, with the goals of the son, of the And also, I think, uh, in the end, if you have parents integrated that really knows in what we are focusing to improve the son, when they are watching the matches, they can really understand why we are taking some decisions why my son is playing in that position? Why we are trying to do this in that session with your son? Because you know that we are trying to work on these concepts. So this is the reason why your son are doing this, and maybe he's not doing that. Uh, If you don't have this information, the parents think, oh, what happened with my son? Why my son is not doing that? Why my son is doing... So we try to to have a, a very strong relation on that. We have also private channels. like For example, we have a private Facebook channel where the parents are part of that. And we we share videos of our boys with some analysts. So we try to educate, maybe it's a little bit ambitious word, but we try to educate our parents to understand our football.
0: Brilliant.
2: Why not? Because I prefer to have parents who... Little by little, they understand more which is the type of football that we want to build. So they can. Why not help, or at least, uh, at least I will say they will. They will probably see details that if we don't explain that, they will not see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe the the misconception is at times is that people think data is there to replace opinion, but it's there a great supplement, right? So you can actually back up your opinions and say, listen. This young kid there, blah blah blah, because I of so and so. But I on agree. that topic, then, because you can easily more quantify your results. But for you as an academy director, it must be tough. Say when this decision makers, because obviously you are one. But when they say, Tony, who is the next player? Who is who are we going to take up and all that? And obviously there are different phases of a player. You know, uh, <laughs> there aren't that many. Like we touched upon earlier, there aren't that many players in Norway. So. A player might be very good at 13, but not the same at 16, yeah. or 17, or 20, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there are positional requirements in the team. How do you go by that? Because it's it must be a, a it's a tough it's a tough ask to to like predict the next player.
2: Yeah, absolute uh, for academy director is the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think first of all, maybe it's smart to start accepting. Then we are not magicians <laughs> yeah so so uh, what we can predict is and i think is based on knowledge and is based on experience we can predict potential of a player but it's difficult to predict the end product of the player uh, this is why for example i like the model that we have at Lillestrom, that we don't pick players from local clubs before 15 years, because the the risk to do a mistake in selection before 15, it's so big, so big. The, what is visible before 15 years? Mm-hmm. If we are honest, the technical level and the physical capacities. Yeah, you can tell me, yeah, Tony, but I can smell, I can smell the the understanding of the player. Yeah. It's true, but 80% of the matches are not good matches. The quality of the match is not good. So it's easy to take good decisions when the level is not good of the competition. Uh, So still it's possible, but in the mental area, how much the player is in balance emotionally, how much the player handles the stress, that will be the key factor when he will be 16, 17, 18. This is so difficult to predict in, in the youngsters, no? So, what we do, we have a monthly evaluation with the coaches. Actually, we are doing these days, no? And we have a profile of the player, okay, for a fullback position. What really matters? Key elements that define the potential of a fullback. For a central back, and we have we have a checklist position by position, based on potential factors of success. And then uh, when they arrive to 16, you have to, of course, to prioritize talents. And that is where uh, what is I think is very important is the communication between the club. For example, when the players go to train with the first team to have a very good evaluation there, how the player looks there. Uh, The second part is in football, I think everyone likes the fast track. You are in the academy, you go to the junior team, you go to the first team. Okay, that's the ideal. Fantastic. And everyone is happy. But that's the exceptional one. I agree. That is the exceptional one. Mm -hmm. The standard one you go, you maybe are training a little bit with the first team, maybe you have a little bit of experience in friendly matches, but then you go on loan, then you start to play regular in senior football. So it's, I think, the difficult part of this is to just pick the right moment for every decision. That, I think, is more difficult than the right player. Yeah. I think it's not, I will say in this way, in the end, it's not too many mistakes that you do. Personally, I think the sport directors don't do too many mistakes picking the wrong player. Yeah, you in one generation, you can forget one, maybe. In another generation, maybe you pick one that in the end is nothing. But we are talking about one sometimes. The most difficult is to do every time the right decision timing on what is the next step. Is this player ready for long? Yes or not? Is this player ready to go 100% as a first team squad? Yes or not? The timing, because the timing matters a lot in these moments. The timing matters a lot in these moments. That I think is the most difficult one. Because if you put a boy too early, that can be too much pressure. If you are too late, you lose a talent. <laughs> so, what is the balance there? Uh, that's the art, the art of coaching. That's difficult to 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 plan there. We have a recurring
0: segment to our show. Just a few short questions. Do you want to kick us off here with the first question? Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, Tony, what is the worst advice that you hear given to young
2: players? War heart. <laughs> I think it's a very dangerous because. It's more important work smart. I think uh, there is a culture based on effort, on running people come. I think the word intensity is the worst that I, I or the most dangerous that I heard. You must work with higher intensity. And sometimes just it's about being smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my case, for example, I remember I remember a player that now it's playing in Serie A. So, I'm talking about my previous club in Stavik. And the most problematic tactical mistake of that boy was that he was running as a horse, (laughs) running and running and running and running and running.
1: I think I know
2: that. (laughs) That I catch one day and say, hey, I have to be honest with you. You look a horse playing football. Please stop to run. Be patient. The ball will catch you. Yeah. So. So intensity, work hard. I always say, please, it's better that the player works smart than works with stupid intensity. <laughs> That's funny.
0: You're always yeah. playing football.
2: Um, <laughs> last one.
0: What are your non-negotiables in working with a player? Uh,
2: focus. Focus. So... So I think uh, one, of the, one of the critical, uh, I, I listened to um, uh, a lecture of uh, Simeone one time, or not a lecture, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, a speech. And he said, more than intelligent players, I, I need concentrated players. You can be the smarter player that you want, but if that moment, that day, in that situation, in this moment, maybe the team starts so bad and we are losing one zero. Maybe we miss a player and we are playing with ten players. Maybe, maybe you have a familiar problem. Maybe, with all the maybes that you want, you can be as smart as you want. But in that moment, if you are not full concentrated, according with how football is played today, high tempo, a lot of quick actions. If you are not focused in that moment, you can lose a match. Mm-hmm. You can lose a match mm-hmm. because that player. Because we have to. We have to remember one thing: in football, they are not collective mistakes. That's not truth. Mistakes are always individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is not a team who is not pressing good today. No, no. Is that the striker is jumping out to the pressure in the wrong moment or the Offensive midfielder is not following that, so football is individual mistakes. If you can take, or let's go to say, if you can minimize the mistakes because of the not focus, well, you are taking a big part of the potential mistake that you can do as a player. Mm-hmm. So focus uh, is not negotiable. If I if I see a player, and still today. Today I this morning I was watching on the 19th session and the 14th session in at the school. If I smell the player that is not focusing what is happening now, then I go straight to him. Mm. Say, hey, change. Because uh, then, then then you are not helping yourself and you are not helping the team to improve.
0: Tony, it's been—I uh, could have spoken football with you for uh, many more hours, but uh, I think you have a family to go to, and I, Kier, and I only have each other, sadly enough. But uh, we still uh, will we'll find a way to yeah. entertain ourselves. But Tony, again, thank you so much for taking the time um, to hear your insights. Uh, and Knowledge about it is a great resource for us, and. I think also the listener. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time on a, on a Friday afternoon.
2: Thank you so much. It's, uh, I say to you, uh, it's a pleasure for me to share and to discuss. So I really hope that this can be useful for, for all your listeners and all the best for all of you.
0: Thanks for listening to the third and final installment of our mini series on foreign coaches in Norwegian football. Um, it's been a great learning experience for both Kieran and myself. Uh, some things to have confirmed, others disconfirmed, and most of all, learning new things. Um, we'll try to put together a more of a, um, a comprehensive summary, so to speak, of, of these three episodes, whether it be through um, collective tweets um, or posts on other uh, social platforms but thank you for joining us through uh through this journey so to speak and we we'll look to hopefully um do other similar mini series so thank you to our guests to kevin to tom and to tony um it's been a very uh, insightful journey um and uh you will catch us soon discussing other um, intriguing topics for now have a good one